0: Come on, let's give God some praise for the music ministry this morning. Amen. Thank you for blessing us. And reminding us that our soul is anchored in the Lord. Thank you so much. Take your Bibles, if you will, and join me in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and I want to read verses 13 through 16. Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through 16. Reading from the New Living Translation, listen to the word of the Lord, beginning in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket instead a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father amen you may be seated You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Growing leads to glowing. That's the title of this word this morning. Growing leads to glowing. It's not a coincidence that the preceding 12 verses in Matthew 5 is about Jesus' presentation to a gathered group who came to listen to his voice on hillside as he shares with them of all things, ethical principles, concepts, that should be allowed to drive behavior in each of us. It's not a coincidence that Jesus would begin to talk about, as some translations provide, blessed are you, or happy are you, or in this translation, God blesses those of you who mourn and you will be comforted who show mercy and you'll get mercy, who thirst and hunger after righteousness and you'll find it, you'll be filled, who's a peacemaker and you'll find peace. It's not a coincidence that those verses precede 13 through 16, because there, Jesus invites, particularly, I think, his disciples to understand the value of who they are, not only as followers of Jesus, but as mere human beings. He suggested to them by way of identity two things I want you to keep in your mind when you begin to work on self perception I am salt. And I am light. In the kingdom of God, I'm meant to do two things. I'm meant to help preserve and help someone understand the value in their own dignity. And secondly, I'm meant to help those who are stuck in darkness. And those who can't find their way out of a ditch to which they now find themselves as light, it's my calling to lead them back to a space where they find life and find it more abundantly. Last week I talked about Caleb and the wonderful example of how his life depicts what happens when you exercise the right mindset. In fact, God says in Joshua 14, as well as in uh, Numbers 14, that Caleb was a man who had a different mindset, a different spirit, and his mindset enabled him 40 years earlier to enter into what was then named Canaan, the land of promise, and to become a participant in a mission That will anchor in his own spirit The reality of God's promise to the people of God 45 years later He enters into the same space As Joshua now is distributing the land That it has been conquered And I don't think it's a coincidence That Caleb says give me this mountain This space, this geography that's called Hebron I didn't mention to you what that meant because it wasn't the time but here it is, Hebron is interesting to me that Joshua would ask for this particular space and we're talking about how not only you got to have the right mindset and grow in your mind but when you're growing you've got to also allow yourself to glow, to illuminate before others who can see your good works and glorify the Father who gave you what you have. Joshua, uh, Caleb in his 45 year journey recognized that over a 45 year span he not only saw the promises of God come to pass but he was able to enter into the mercy and grace of God that provided him with a 45 year journey where when he gets toward the latter part of his life, as we find in Joshua 14, he can look back and say, as we heard last Sunday, I am as strong now as I was 45 years ago. In fact, I feel so confident about not only the promises of God, But I have 45 years of history behind me to justify how good God is and how faithful God is and when you trust the promise of God and when you employ the right mindset through my 45 years I've seen up. I've seen down I've been up And I've been down But look at me now I'm not only stronger now Than I was 45 years ago But even if I have to go to war I'm ready to fight right now at 85 What kind of man tells somebody He'll fight at 85 One that has confidence in his strength One that has confidence in his mission One that has confidence in the God That gives him the grace and the strength To be who he is Caleb said Whether going in war or coming out of war, I'm still the same man I was 45 years ago. And nobody in their right mind would think that Caleb is on the right plane mentally because when you're 85, it's a whole lot different than when you were 45. But Caleb says, when you know the king of kings... And when you know who keeps you And when you know who gives you strength And when you know who provides The necessary everyday power You need to survive You can say at 85 I'm just as good now Than I was 45 years ago But Caleb says I want this land I want this land I want this particular land Hebron And I kept wondering Why would he want Hebron It's just space It's not just space There's a couple of reasons why. One, I think he won Hebron because 45 years earlier when he went in to spy the land, he saw the Anakites. He saw the giants occupying the space. And remember, in the eyes of the other 10 spies, they saw themselves as victims, grasshoppers. But Caleb saw himself along with Joshua as victorious the actual giant he did not see himself as being defeated by what he saw he saw himself being victorious by what he saw and here's what's amazing 45 years later the same Giants occupy the land The same people who were there 40 years earlier are there now and yet Caleb does not say the same enemy is there and I don't feel like fighting for the victory that God has given me. Instead he says if it means I got to go to war I'll go to war to get my victory. Now, here's a great thing. If you read the ending of Joshua chapter 14, he doesn't have to go to war. In fact, I'm a believer because of Caleb's testimony. The Bible says the land rested from that day forward. All because Caleb recognized God made me the promise 45 years ago. And although it took 45 years for it to come through to fruition, I was determined I wasn't going to let him go until he blessed me. And sometimes you got to wait on God's provision and the answer to prayer is not always around the corner, not always in the immediate. Sometimes it takes years for manifestation because in that 45 year journey, the mindset of only got stronger. And maybe God was showing to the rest of these new Israelites, remember the entire generation, of Joshua and Caleb died because they wouldn't trust the promise of God and now Joshua and Caleb guess what they are salt and light to this new generation and maybe God preserved them so that he can show them how if you are willing to be the salt that you are I'll not only allow you to preserve others but I'll keep you in the process. And maybe if you be obedient and trust my word, I'll not only let you see light, but I'll let you be the light. Because I'm a believer that God is so big and vast and God is so powerful. He really don't mind sharing the glory because ultimately he knows where the glory is going to lie. And so I'm convinced that Caleb wanted the land. Because he knew that the enemy that was occupying it was just temporary. And that's what you got to think sometimes when you get in a situation where God doesn't answer your prayer immediately. Tell yourself it's just a temporary setback. Because God is setting me up to make sure that I have a comeback through the setback. And when I come out, I'm coming out victorious. But there's a second reason why I think Caleb wanted that land he wanted that land also because when you look back historically in Genesis chapter 25 and 35 you'll find out that Hebron was the geographical space that Abraham purchased it was called the cave of Machpelah and he bought the cave of Machpelah so that when he died he would have a cemetery That not only would he be able to be buried in, but all of his descendants. And you know what? I'm convinced that Caleb believed that I want that space because occupying this space is my ancestry. And when you read back in Genesis 23, 25, and 35, guess what you'll find out? Abraham is buried there. Isaac is buried there, Jacob is buried there, Sarah is buried there, Rebecca is buried there, and Leah is buried there. He wanted to be connected, stay close to his ancestry because his historical connection meant something to his movement going forward. I'm trying to tell somebody, if you understand historically who you are connected to and the richness of the heritage that you have as a part of who you are, it does something to your mindset that makes you a fighter, that makes you an overcomer, that makes you never give up. Here's the amazing thing. The name Caleb in Hebrew means dog. It means dog by way of a noun, but the adjective says it means faithful. It means the perseverer. It means the fighter. When I look at Caleb and I talk about mindset and then I talk about glowing, here is something that I realize. It's never really about how big the dog is in the fight. But it's always about how big the fight is in the dog. And Caleb may not have been, as we sort of think in terms of our history, may not have been a big man. But he was a bigger man inside than he was actually on the outside. He had a fight in him that helped him persevere through 45 years of a faith journey that he just would not give up. Maybe somebody in here this morning needs to understand how important it is that you hold on to the fight that's in you. And not only Caleb, but you got a bigger brother who's a greater fighter. He endured all of the persecution and the opposition and all that anyone could place upon him, but they thought that the fight in him died on a wooden plank called Calvary. But they have forgot that again it's not how big the dog is on the cross it's how big the dog is or how big the cross is inside of the dog. In other words, Jesus endured such a fight that he persevered victoriously and would not allow those who tried to Oppress and suppress the mightiness that's on the inside of him, and he came alive on Golgotha's Hill. Caleb is a connection to Jesus because both of them claimed territory that an enemy thought they had occupied with fullness. And maybe it's this morning that you're in a space where God is growing you, but God is saying, listen, in order for you to see how your growth is progressing, I've got to also work to glow you. And you do not better glow than in dark situations. You do not better glow than in a context where something or someone needs to experience preservation." Self-perception is that learning tool, I believe, that Caleb employed in his journey, faith journey, and he did not see himself, as I said before, as the grasshopper, but as the giant. Remember, I told you on last week that vision is a picture of your preferable future over your present predicament. And Caleb chose the future. We can, because God said so, The 10 spies chose the present predicament. We can't because there are giants in the land. Caleb says that I want conquering over being conquered. The 10 spies says we choose being conquered over conquering. That made Caleb have a shift in his mindset. He deconstructed the present predicament he instructed his mind to disregard the false knowledge and the fear knowledge of the ten and he constructed in his mind the words of moses stand still and see the salvation of god that gave what i believe in my own reading persuasion to the words of jesus in matthew 5:13 as he gives identity you are salt and you are light Here's the amazing thing about salt. In ancient Greek history, salt was a divine provision. They actually believed that divinely we had salt. God gave salt from the heavens. In fact, the Roman soldiers believed that there was nothing more uh, greater to have in your possession than salt. Roman soldiers were even paid with salt. It is believed that the practice, that the expression, you're not worthy of the salt, originated from the very idea in the Roman culture that salt was everything. In fact, in many ancient societies, the sharing of salt indicates a mutual responsibility of one person to another. Can you imagine that? Salt, where sharing of salt says, I'm responsible for you just as much as you are responsible for me our welfare in fact salt was used to bind covenants in the near east read Leviticus 2.13 and God says when you bring an offering you bring it along with salt and I'm convinced that the numerous listeners who would listen to Jesus whether they were Greek, Romans or Jews well understood when Jesus said you are the salt of the earth you are a valuable commodity you are a valuable human being you have extensive extensive overwhelming wealth in you and you'll never know until we work to extract it from you and in order to do that jesus placed the value of the existence by saying, I called every one of you in this place this morning, you are a change agent. You are a change agent. You are a change agent. agent. That's what Jesus says. You are a change agent. Here's what I'm saying. My expectation of you is to make an impact everywhere you go because you are a change agent. Here's what he said. When you are glowing, you are a change agent who impacts, number one, the environment's To which you enter. Whenever you go among people. Here's what Jesus says. I have an expectation. That you will change the temperature. In that room. Yeah y'all. So y'all don't believe that about yourself. Listen. Here's what he says. Have you ever noticed people who are overwhelmingly. Highly self confident. When they walk in a room in a space. Watch their behavior. And their demeanor. They stretch themselves out as if to say they're broadening who they are and they can demand observation from the audience not by what they say just merely by their presence in the room because they believe that whatever environment they go into they are a change agent. They believe that if they come in there with their smile And come in there with their walk and come in there with their words they believe that their presence alone if the temperature in the room is cold they believe they can heat it up. They believe that their their presence and their charisma and the words that they say will change the whole atmosphere. Now watch this. You're hesitant to agree. Watch this. If I tell you that when we go into a room, so and so and so person, whenever they say something, it's always negative and it changes the temperature. That's, they show it that you got there. That, that's you exactly right. We agree when it's negative, but Jesus says you are the salt, and if you are salt, you got flavor, and if you got flavor. That means whatever you come in contact with, you're going to change that environment. And so if I come in with words of affirmation and words of exhortation and words of inspiration and words of declaration, I'm going to change somebody's... Attitude, I'm going to change the entire environment so much so that every time I show up, now they start looking for me because they know not negativity, right, but something productive, something positive, something life changing because that person realized they are salt and in their saltiness, they're meant to preserve. Mm-hmm. You now, my granddaddy was a farmer and we killed hogs, he'd take the shoulders, saturate them in salt, hang them up in the smokehouse. And whenever we needed a good ham sandwich, some barbecue, he'd go pull a ham, a shoulder from the smokehouse, but the salt preserved it through the storms, through the weather change, The salt creates a crust around it that nothing can invade it, not even insects. It's because when you are a salt agent, you don't allow outside stuff to invade who you are and to diminish and demean the substance of who you are. That's why you got to be careful when you can't let people's words dismantle your mission. Particularly when you recognize you are a change agent. And there's some places that God puts you in in order for you to glow. He puts you in a dark space where the temperature in that room, in that job, in that place, in that office is dull, dark, cold. And there needs to be somebody there just by showing up. So he says I'm a change agent. I change Not only the temperature in the room, but I change the temperament in the room. I alter people's attitudes. Now some of them will go bad. Most of them will go good. Because most people really want to live in harmony, find peace. And then some other folk, you know, that's just all they want is confusion, chaos. But what makes them so great is you can easily identify them. Don't take long. As you change the temperament, you'll you'll see who they are. Because what's in you has got to come out of you at some point in time. That's why I always tell people, you talk about Christianity and people's Christianity and how they live. All you got to do is check their motives. That's all you got to check, motives. I don't care how good they look on the outside, check the motive behind their action. And and you'll discover who really is trying to do the right thing. And you also who discover it's selfish and don't even know their salt has lost its flavor. And Jesus says when you lose your effectiveness in terms of salt, he gives a bad conclusion. Read, read that verse. Read 13 and 14. If you lose, first of all, he says, can you put salt, can you put flavor back in salt less? And the answer is no. In fact, if you read the history of salt, particularly in the Greco-Roman world, uh, Often, various minerals would contaminate the salt and they'd have to find it and whenever they're cooking or preparing something, they'd find that wheat salt, pick it up and look what Jesus says. It's good for nothing but to be trotted under by the foot of men. They throw it into the streets. Now the reason why they throw it in the streets because that's where they knew people will A, be walking and eventually crush it, demise it or B, chariots and their wheels would grind it up as it moves along on the course but if you lose your saltiness what good are you what good of you but he says you got such salt you got such effectiveness. You're meant to have an impact wherever you are and you can change the temperament and the temperature in a room and people, but don't lose your, check your motive why you do what you do. Everybody who preach ain't got the right motive. Everybody who sing ain't got the right motive. Everybody who serve don't have the right motive. Why? Why? It's human nature to be challenged. See, Jesus sets this up. All you got to do is read both Matthew 4 and 5. He sets it up in Matthew 4 where immediately after he comes, ironically, out of fasting and praying for 40 days, he's confronted by evil who wants to crush his saltiness to be effective and his ability to be light. Read Matthew four. And so three times Satan gives him three opportunities and each time Jesus reminds him, hold on, I got a, me- I got a meaning for life. I-, I got a mission. I got a purpose. I know why I'm here. And it's written in the word of God that I don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. I can't tempt God. I'm not meant to tempt the Lord my God. I'm I'm meant to serve, not to tempt Him. And then He says, You're to only worship God and worship God alone. That's what the scripture says. And Jesus says because of my saltiness and because of my lightness I have to demonstrate what I want followers to do as they move with me to impact people's lives. And how do I know he had an impact? When you read Matthew 4, the Bible says beginning in verse 23 that Jesus traveled into Galilee. He was teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom and he healed every kind of disease and illness and news about him spread. When you got the right attitude, when you got the right mindset, and when you recognize your saltiness impact and your light impact, the news will get around. Just as people talk about those who do bad things, they talk about people who do good things. The news will travel, says Jesus. And the text says that as the news got around, people soon began bringing to him everybody who was sick. Now that means nothing you read on the surface, but check this out. If you've never had anyone to change your temperature before and no one to impact your temperament before, and all of a sudden now you heard that there's one who can do that and they bring him to Jesus and he does that and everybody starts telling everybody else and folks start clouding into the presence of Jesus. They come to realize, oh, there's something about this that I want to be a part of. And when they want to be a part of, they realize, as the Bible says, that Jesus was healing. And whatever their sickness and disease was, whatever their demonic possession or epilepsy was, he healed them all. And as a result, large crowds followed him. That's why when you get to Matthew 5, he's on the hill telling a story to a crowd. because he says not only are you salt you change the temperature and the temperament in the context of people but you are light and here's the funny thing I'm almost done when Christianity was recognized as a religion in Rome the emperor Julian had a moment in which he lamented and listen to what he said he said have you looked at them Christians closely lately in other words have you looked in their face have you looked and seen how they actually act? Julian says when he looked at them, he saw hollowed eyes and flat breasted, and they breed their lives away unsuperb by ambition, which simply means they had absolutely no ambition at all. We've been duped, in the words of Malcolm X, hoodwinked into thinking that ambition is a positive thinking only new age kind of vocabulary. There's nothing could be further from the truth. Have you not read Philippians 4, 8, 9? Think on these things. Whatever is pure, whatever is just, whatever is kind, whatever brings about goodwill, think on this. sounds like good positive thinking to me it also suggests that there's an ambition in me as salt in life to transform because I'm glowing why because somebody has transformed me Jesus has changed the temperature in my room Jesus has changed the temperament in my life and when you know that God is the Lord of your life you can't help but glow And in your glowing, you can't help it because you know you're blessed and you walk like you know you're blessed and you talk like you know you're blessed and you look like you know you're blessed. You can't help that when you have been changed by the great changer himself. And Julian says, when I looked at them, something's wrong. The sun shines for them and they don't even see it. The earth offers them its fullness and they have no desire for it. Let me break that down for you because y'all looking at me like you know what I'm saying. Listen, the sun shines for you and you don't know it. You don't even recognize it. It's a simple conclusion. Do you know how blessed it is to wake up every morning and see the sun one more time? That's not a PhD physics kind of question. That's a simple, yes I do. I see how blessed I am to wake up But pastor I wake up to more disaster I wake up to more chaos I wake up to more confusion Well if you see it that way How about I wake up to more opportunities I wake up to more chances I wake up to more opportunities to change Remember if I'm salt and light I got the power to change Because I'm a change agent He says the earth is right there before them, all of its fullness. And they act like they don't even know it's there. Let me translate that for you. All of the prosperity of this world, and prosperity is a bad word in conservative atmospheres. You know what that means? Because some folk have taken the time to look at the Bible and discover, wait a minute, when we read the New Testament... Jesus talks more about money and his provision than any other subject. In fact, he don't even talk about salvation more than he does money. Y'all don't read y'all Bible. That's y'all problem. Y'all need to read the Bible. He talks about money more than anything else. Why? Because he knows in a progressive world, remember we're not talking about just a man or an average man. We're talking about the incarnation of God in human flesh. And God already knows in various parts of the world the progression is going to lead to not agricultural context where they exchange and barter with stuff, but they're going to do so with currency. And Jesus says when they understand that when they don't have any currency when they're on the low end of the totem pole economically in terms of status, when their faith is stretched and they believe in the God of the stretch, they come to know I can supply all their needs according to my riches in glory. And my provision is what they say you can't do, watch how I make it work out for you when they're going to have to wonder How did you get that done? Have you ever been so blessed that not only did people try to figure out how you got blessed, but I'm trying to figure out how I got blessed. Oh, y'all ain't been blessed like that. I mean, you get to a point where you see how God work out and you sit there scratching your head. Man, I... How in the world did that work, God? God, I didn't know I, I didn't know you. That's God saying, I know you didn't. But you see, because you trusted me, and because you let yourself be the salt and the light in the context, look at how I'm gonna open up the windows of heaven. Amen. So Jesus says to us, Not only am I salt and not only am I light, but I connect that to what Julian. Lamented when he said they see all this stuff and they don't recognize it and all their desire is to renounce and suffer that they may come to die. Now that's Roman first century language but listen to what he's saying. He said Christian people don't even recognize they got to the hook up. There should have been a shout all over. They got to the hook up. You hooked up to the God who not only owns the universe but promises to meet all your need and all you got to do is ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open. And they won't ask. They won't seek. And they don't knock. And we talk about those who have discovered the prosperity passages in the Bible in terms of provision and we say all they want is money. Now watch this. If you think that money is not that important, do me a favor. Tomorrow morning, where your office probably closed tomorrow, Tuesday, submit your resignation, write your mortgage company, write write everybody you owe money to and simply tell them I believe by faith that I don't need money to pay you. And because I, I believe this way, I'm no longer going to A, work on the job again. I don't need a job. Money will fall down out of the heavens. I just believe that. B, I'm not paying any bills. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay them by faith. Well, because money is not important to you. You don't need money. And you get mad at the church folk who who have understood how to use the scripture to claim their inheritance because they are heirs of Abraham. I'm going to teach y'all about that next week when we start talking about tithing. But don't get scared. It's going to be to your benefit. Trust me. But you don't need money. Nobody in this room need money but I'm remind you I'm not writing the church to tell them don't pay me from this point forward y'all can do that on your job but I know I need money I'm not that naive because God set in motion creation, then he put creation in motion and set also certain laws that has to come to pass. A, that means that because of the fall of man, says Genesis chapter 2 and 3, that means that I have to work by the sweat of my brow and I'm only going to get anything unless I'm willing to earn some money. And Paul comes back later and says, if you don't work, you don't deserve to eat. So because I like to eat, I'm going to do some work to get some money. I likes to live comfortably. Don't you? Yeah, I know you do. I likes to drive well, eat well, wear well, act well. And you need money to do that. Julian says them Christians have access to the heavenly vault of provision. And they act like they don't know the combination and they get mad at folk who claim their inheritance. So, all their desire is to renounce and suffer that they may come to die. And we bought into the lie, you'll get your reward when you get to heaven. I don't know about you, I believe I got a reward in heaven, but until I get there, I want my stuff now. Some of my stuff, I may not get it all. You do too. You you do too. Your problem is you don't read your Bible. Okay, you didn't hear me. Your problem is you don't read your Bible. So you don't know what you got access to. You don't know what's made available to you because you don't read the manual. So by being a light, I shift my environment from darkness to light because I'm a light of the world. So Jesus says, not only do you have impact, but I want you to illuminate as you glow because you then give increase. Listen to what the text says. You are the light of a world and the city on a hilltop can't be hidden. here's the great thing about being a light when you come into the room you don't have to announce your presence (laughs) y'all missed that good god have you ever noticed when you walk into your dark space in your house when you flip the switch on light says oh i'm here here i am i'm lighting the room for you it never talks Because the old adage is true, action speaks louder than words. And when you are light, says Jesus, I can't hide you. That's why I let you glow, because I don't want you to be hid. Listen to what the Bible is trying to tell us. God says, I want you to glow. I want you to show off. I want you to look good. I want you to be the head and not the tail. I want you to be above and not beneath. I want you in the front. It's a mindset, church. It's how I perceive what the gospel is saying. But we've been taught it's better to be behind than it is to be in front. It's better to be beneath as opposed to being above. We've been taught it's better to be the taillight and not the hell light, the headlight. I actually said that good hell light, but that's a whole nother something. <laughs> but we've been taught that. And really, God is saying, I want you to glow. Listen to what he says. You are a city. I had time I'd break that down when Jesus says you are a city. But when you are a city, you don't get hidden. They don't put you under a basket. But as light, we put you up top. We turn you out so people can see. This is why I love this this translation. And when you read uh, the text, it says, uh, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, they place it on the stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. But, but then here's my shouting point. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out so everybody can see it. I'm going to give you a cultural point, and then I'm done. I'm finished. So we got this thing in our own culture, African American culture, where sometimes we hide what we've been blessing with from others because we know they're gonna hate on us. There, y'all go trying to front on me again. So we know if we if we show all that we have, I've heard this mentality taught to me. I never believed it, but it's, don't show everybody everything you got. Don't don't tell them everything. Don't show them everything because some people gonna hate on you. Well. If they're gonna hate on me, that means they hate on me for a reason, and the reason may be that they may be jealous that I actually have acquired something either that they desired, or that they want to have in in terms of their own life and can't seem to get there. And maybe if I allow it to glow for them, I can show them that the God that I serve is no respect of persons. I mean, this is what y'all say. It, it, what he does for one, he'll do for another. Ain't that what y'all say? That's, ain't that what y'all say? Where'd y'all get that from? Where, where'd you get that from? Did you get that from the Bible? Where'd where'd you get it from? Tell me what, 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 what'd you hear? How do you base, what do you base that on? Ah, yeah, tell me. I'm I'm waiting. Tell me the word, give me the words. I'm waiting. That's why I try to tell you and teach you the way I do because you don't know. If you knew, tell me. Or if you know, tell me. I'm I'm waiting, I'm still waiting. Doom 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 Where is it? Let me tell you the question one more time. If God is no respecter of persons, what he does for one, he'll do for another. If you got that from the Bible, what are the words? Where'd you get it from? Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Anybody else? Would you read that for me again, please? I'm waiting. Romans 2, read it for me again. Can you get that down in your spirit? There is no respecter of person. Now, why did she read Romans 2? Because Romans 2, where Romans 1 the the gentile the jewish christians wanted to condemn the gentile christians because in romans 1 paul lists a great deal of behaviors that the Gentile was exhibiting and then he gets to Romans 2 and apparently there were some there who were saying, well, I'm so glad we don't act like that. And Paul said, wait a minute, you are inexcusable, old man, and that is that God has no respect of a person. What God does for the Gentile, he'll also do for the Jew and vice versa. If God is providing like that, then tell me why we don't want to live in the abundance that God has in store for us. Why don't we glow? Why don't we show off the glory of God? Watch this. When the devil is on us though, we show off the glory of doom. And Jesus recognized that in recognizing how when you're praying, he told two people, he said, listen to the disciples, when you're praying, don't look like those who are fasting and praying and you can see it all over their face. They look like they've not only been to hell, but they've stayed there, built a house there, and ain't no coming back. But do like those who go in their secret closet, but they come out looking like they've been redeemed and that their entire life has been changed. Even though they are fasting and praying and they're struggling, they don't look like what they're going through. Because they are illuminating and they are glowing and they are allowing themselves to be the light that can lead someone who's in the same state out of their dark condition and bring them back to a space of light. Here it is. I know I said it, but I'm going to say it again. I'm closing. This is it. Salt works secretly. You don't see salt working when you put it on it. You don't know it's there. Until you taste it. But light works openly. Look out to the window to the left and the right. You can see light illumination all around us. Salt works from within. Light works from without. Light increases the potential to lead one to greater heights. That's why Jesus said you are the light of the world. You are light. But he says... In leading and increasing, I want you to also glow so that their enthusiasm about life will increase. See, that's what verse 14 is all about. You can't hide your enthusiasm. You can't hide your joy. You can't hide your peace. You can't hide your comfort. It ought to come out. Light increases when we follow Jesus. Listen to the scriptures. Psalm 36 verse 9. For you God being with you is the fountain of light and you are light. Listen to what he says in 1 John 1 verse 5. God is light and in him there is no darkness. Listen to Psalm 119 verse 105. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and light to my path and listen to Philippians 2.15 so God says he calls you to be a light to the whole world I close with the text it makes it clear we are light and in the same way let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. So I don't mind being light, being salt, and I don't mind God getting the glory. Because my growing has led to my glowing. And listen, if following Jesus gets me the glow that I desire, God, you can have all the glory. It's all about you and for you. See, some people motive. Once again, I need the glory because I'm doing all the work. (laughs) But, But if I recognize what it means to understand appreciation, because wherever I am, if I'm in any mode of prosperity, I've got to remember... It didn't have to be this way. It could have went another way. See, when you understand, when you understand how the provision of God is not only favorable, but when you understand that when God gives it and you give God the glory, it opens up opportunities for more opportunities like you've never imagined. One more time, so I close with this. I know we don't always think helping people is beneficial to us. And I know that we run into people that no matter how much help you try to give them, it doesn't help them. They have not yet come to a space where they realize, number one, there is nothing preserving their life that they can recognize, but it is. And number two, they're in darkness and don't recognize they need light. And I also know that I'm not always in favor of the people or the situations that God puts me in to preserve and to light. I have preferences. I prefer people who just need a little nudge. You know, just a, just a little. Not a whole lot of stuff where I got to pray for a whole month and I don't want all that. I got to push and push and push and push and watch him do the same thing over and over and over and, over and over and over and over again. I don't want that. I know I'm a preacher, but I, I want it to be easy too, just like you do. I want it easy. But guess what? To glow... And because of my growth, it don't work out like that. I end up with the hard cases, and then I come to realize they're not the hardest. Someone else have harder cases than I have. I realize that the people that I have to deal with, they're not the most difficult. Someone else got more difficult people. But God is saying stop looking at the difficulty of the challenge and remember I put you there because I want you to glow to have an impact on that person's life and then I want you to illuminate my glory in front of them so they can see the good works I've done in your life. That's why your story is so important. That's why when you be able to tell people about what God's done in your life, you illuminate the glory of God and you point to him because he used you. And I don't want any glory for it. Do as you wish, God. Because my growing has led to my glowing. We used to sing a song, Use me, Lord. Use me. That's that's all I want you to do is use me. And when you get to that point, church, I'm telling you, whew, blessings is just all around you. Lord, somebody in this house,